0: got a few announcements to share with you this morning and uh, the um, we're having a prayer meeting next Sunday from 3 to 5 in reference to the uh, meeting of the school board that's coming up the, fo- uh, the, the following Tuesday of that week so October 3rd next Sunday uh, so uh on Tuesday, as a school board meeting, and they're going to be discussing with Planned Parenthood. In fact, Planned Parenthood will be there making a presentation in reference to their new sex education drive. And uh, again, there's a. I think there still might be some handout sheets on the table. If you want to take a look at it, it it's uh, very informative. And uh, what they're proposing uh, is uh, it's just out of line. And so. I just want to suggest to you that it's important that we be praying about it and then the meeting is going to be open. Uh, So you may attend if you choose and there will be a a question and answer uh, opportunity during the meeting as well. So uh, plan on that. And then uh, I I I want to encourage you to even start praying about it now. Um, In... The area of, of prayer needs this morning. Um, be praying for those in our congregation and, and, and in our community and other churches as well. I, I didn't know how to word this, but I guess we could say are laying low uh, because of, of the COVID virus and their health issues and concerns. And uh, most of them are people that have got uh, uh, immune uh, deficiency problems. And so uh, just to keep them in prayer and uh, support them that way. And then uh, Jackie Davis has asked for prayer for favor, if you will. Put, you can put it this way, favor with the doctors and uh, getting scheduled some appointments that need to, to be taken care of, uh, some things that she needs taken care of. She's having problems getting the right combination of doctors together to get the approval. It's one of those things where you got to get this doctor to refer to this doctor, one of those types of things. And so uh, she just needs help in getting that into place. Um, Diane Van uh, is actually in Sonoma, not Petaluma. Uh, They didn't have room in the Petaluma place either. And so she's going to be there for a while. And while the next few weeks especially she needs to uh, work out what uh, we're going to be doing about her long term housing with her apartment here you know keeping that paid for while she's in the the rehab down there how long she's going to be there so hopefully in the next couple weeks we can get that figured out and she can figure out how she wants to handle that and deal with it so be praying for Diane and those that are helping her work on that Um, and then uh, prayer for my wife. Uh, Kathy is uh, going to uh, her class reunion. Should I tell them which one it is? Oh, no. <laughs> it's going to her class reunion with her. And and it's one of those things. Her twin. Well, it's a fifty-plus-one actually, dear. Um, <laughs> they didn't. Well, they didn't have the. They didn't have the 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 50th last year, so because of the COVID stuff, so anyway, they're going ahead with it this year, and uh, her twin sister just really wants her to be there with her and go with her, and so uh, Kathy's going to be flying out of Arcata on, uh, next Sunday, and then returning the following Sunday, and just, uh, just flying, she's, she's only flown once before. And so she, you know, the idea of flying is just intimidating. And so uh, just to pray her through it. Appreciate it. Um, Looking here, I don't think I have any other prayer needs to add to this this morning. Uh, Does anybody have some prayer needs that we should be sharing this morning? Okay, let's pray together. Father, We come to You and bring our needs before You with a confidence in Your mercy and Your grace that You offer to us. That You would grant favor to Jackie as she tries to get these uh, doctor's appointments scheduled. Uh, To be with Diane as she makes adjustments uh, to this uh, rehabilitation center in uh, Sonoma. Be with her and the the, uh, therapists, and and just that a routine will be put together that will get her active and going as quick as possible, and that instead of weeks and weeks, it might just take a few weeks to get things together and be back home. And uh, we just ask that you would be with her as she goes through this. And for my wife, uh, be with her as she uh, flies out of Arcata on on Sunday morning, and, and just give her a peace, Lord. Uh, in reference to to uh, the flying as well as the just the the activities going on the following week, just give her and her sister a wonderful time, and uh, we ask Lord as we again continue to pray for what's going on with the COVID virus. We we'd still, Lord, we don't hesitate to ask that you would just break the cycle of transmission and bring healing and strength to people who have had to deal with it and. Lord, we ask uh, for a covering for those people who are at high risk as they as they try to make their exits from their home uh, at, at an absolute minimum. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that where we might be able to come alongside and help, uh, we ask that you would make that obvious to us and uh, that we would be able to... Uh, Help them along the uh, way and, and, and keep them safe, Lord. And Father, as we open Your Word together, we ask that You would open our minds and our hearts. We acknowledge as we pray together that Your Word is God-breathed. You tell us in Second Timothy chapter 3, God-breathed and good for instruction and building up for all the things that You call us to do. And so, Lord, we come to You with a confidence that Your God-breathed Word is before us this morning. And we ask that You would, again, open our hearts and our minds through Your Holy Spirit to receive each of us, where we are in our walk with You, what we need to be stronger and, and, and closer to You. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, and uh, this is going to be part one. We'll have a part two next Sunday, and uh, the, uh, I had a, a, an announcement. I was just trying to figure out how to do this, because the person I wanted to get to isn't in here. And so, if you would, after the service is over, all of you, at some opportunity, go up and say happy birthday to B.J. It's his birthday today. Now, Everly had his birthday in the middle of the week, so you can say happy birthday to Everly, too. But I wanted to sing happy birthday, and, and I was I was paid a quarter. So, you know, and and, and so uh, I can't, uh, and I, I just couldn't do it, so I... I it, Help me out with that, okay? Appreciate it. Um, Luke, part one. Uh, what we're looking at is kind of the theme, I guess you might say, is uh, Jesus for the gen- is for the Gentiles, and and uh, or is Jesus for the Gentiles too? Uh, there's a, a number of ways to phrase that, but the idea is is as you look at at the first century. The Hebrew people, even as they became Christians, were reluctant to accept Gentiles coming into the faith. And so, the Gospel of Luke is a rather unique writing. Luke is a Gentile. He was a, a physician. He was a, a one who traveled uh, with Paul and uh, also was a co-worker with Paul in the ministry. And so he is writing to uh, the, the gospel, of, of uh, to, he's writing it in such a way as to appeal to Gentiles. Now, and I say he's writing it in such a way, don't forget that he is actually being directed by the Holy Spirit as to how to put this together. It is God-breathed. And so uh, as we look at this, re- realize that God is now taking a Gentile and using him through the power of the Holy Spirit to communicate uh, in a more direct way with the Gentile community, using certain things that they would be familiar with uh, to encourage them. And so the first four verses lay out the fact that he who it's Luke writing and who he's writing to. So Luke chapter 1, the first four verses, I'd like to start there. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word have delivered them to us, it seems good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus." that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Theophilus is a Greek name, so he is a Gentile as well. So we have Luke writing to Theophilus, also a Gentile. More emphasis on the reality of what's going on here and the inclusion of the Gentile people. So that's what I want to look at this morning, is the the fact that God has definitely made a statement and made it clear that the Gentile people, all of the nations of the world, think about this, if you went back to Abraham and, and looked at what God said, he didn't say I'm going to make you the, the father of one great nation, but he says of, of many nations. And, and so as we, we look at this, it has always been God's plan to include the Gentile people in in a relationship to having one God covering all, and so uh, this is Theophilus, or I mean Luke writing to Theophilus, and and it's uh, like I said, written by a Gentile to a Gentile, and uh, by the way, one person put it interestingly, Luke is the only gospel with a sequel. Luke also wrote the book of Acts, and Acts quite literally picks up where the end of, uh, the, the, end of the Gospel of Luke you know, ends. Acts picks up. And you notice he said uh, an orderly account, eyewitnesses, ministers of the Word what, and that he's bringing together. Luke was not an eyewitness of Jesus, but he had carefully documented and talked with all of these people who had seen Jesus. He talked with Mary. He talked with others. And as a result, he had all of this information that he had gathered, and he felt he needed to put it in in a concise format so that, first off, that he could share it with a very specific person, Theophilus. But but, uh, obviously, God's plan was to put it together so that it would not only share with him, but Gentiles around the world. Um throughout Jesus' ministry, he ministered to Gentiles. And I was going through, and I was putting together quite a list, and I decided to just narrow it down to just four that I would mention uh, he, you know, there was the Samaritan woman at the well, and he forgave her of her sins. Okay, that's inclusion. Forgiving her of her sins is bringing her in. Um, the, uh, he commented on the, on the faith of, of a Roman centurion. He said, no one has, I haven't seen anybody, and he was really referring to among the Hebrew people, with a faith like the one that this man has. And so he commented on his faith. Well, faith is, is a word that would be inclusion. He has a faith that is obvious. He healed the daughter of the uh, Syrophoenician woman. Uh, she was possessed, and Matthew and, and Mark record that. And and when Jesus was crucified, it was a Roman centurion that said, "Surely this is the Son of God." So all through the gospel, the gospels, and and this includes John and Matthew and Mark as well as Luke, God is ministering to the Gentiles and and so we have this picture this morning what I want to focus on is a one particular situation or time that we see God using or coming to the idea of inclusion of the Gentiles most of us are familiar with the, the 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 two people that were at the temple when Jesus was a baby and brought to the temple to be first circumcised on the eighth day, and then on the fortieth uh, day after his birth, he was brought there to be dedicated and uh, married to, to uh, go through the rite of purification. And so uh, there was at that time, on that 40th day event, there were two people, Simeon and Anna. Simeon was there and the prophetess Anna, okay? I want to focus on Simeon this morning. It's a really unique situation. And so, uh, the, the, God, the where we're going to be looking is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 21 through 35. And everything that we know about Simeon is right here. He's not mentioned again. Nothing else is said about him. So, however we're going to examine and look at him here, We have to pull out of these few verses. And so let's start with verse uh, 21 through 24 and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, Luke chapter 2 verses 21 through 24. At the end of eight days when Jesus was circumcised, he was called or named Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. It takes us back to Luke chapter 1 when the angel said, You will call him Jesus. Okay? And so uh, that's the first event. And then it picks up verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who uh, first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to uh, what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There's one neat thing that I, I, I want you to see here. There's a point where Jesus says that you might recall as He's teaching, He says, I haven't come to do away with the law, but to what? To fulfill the law. Okay? His parents, Joseph and Mary, are part of that picture. From the very beginning, he was fulfilling the law through them, or, you know, putting him in the right place at the right time. His circumcision on the eighth day, his dedication on the fortieth day. And, and so we pick up here this, especially the de- de- uh, this dedication after the 40th day. Uh, that's something that comes out of Exodus 13. What happens is it's the firstborn and the firstborn are dedicated to God. And what you do is is basically as you dedicate him, or you, you are purchasing him back from God by bringing a sacrifice. And Exodus uh, chapter 30 explains all that. And so I'm just putting it here, it, you know, to do this requires a sacrifice. And what is the sacrifice they brought? They brought two turtle doves or two pigeons. It doesn't say for sure which. It wasn't all four. It was one or the other. Uh And I put here in my own thoughts, why was this significant that we should know this? Uh And... uh the reality is, is that if you read through Exodus 13, the first, the first context of what a sacrifice should be is a lamb. That's always the symbolic picture of the sacrifice in, as a lamb. However, not everybody could afford a lamb. Now, generally speaking, lambs were quite available and they weren't outrageously expensive in, in that sense. So, you know, what it tells us is that the people that God provided for a way through two turtle doves or two pigeons was a, an expensive sacrifice, which for somebody of, of, of lesser means would still be a significant expenditure. So we realize here Joseph and Mary are in the low income bracket. I just think that 's an interesting thing that, that we you know we need to to recall god didn 't come to a palace he didn 't come you know to to a wealthy family. he went at the the bottom side of things and became a man and and a humble man at that, and then on top of it becomes a servant to all of us ultimately to the point of the cross and so we see this picture of God in His sacrifice and his, and, and his love for us. Go to verse 25 and uh, let's look at verse 25 and, and 26. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel is the coming of Christ. Okay? He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Messiah, and uh, the Holy Spirit was upon him. That is an Old Testament phrase. It's the way it's saying is, is that before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that that can't come until after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and His giving of the Holy Spirit. There's still this tremendous influence that the Holy Spirit can have on one. David had the, the had the Holy Spirit come upon him, and mul- multiple people through the Old Testament and the prophets. And all of this. And the Holy Spirit coming upon him was that he was being set aside for a special purpose to serve God, and God was in control. That's the intent that you need to get out of that. The Holy Spirit was upon him, Simeon. Verse 26 And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What the Holy Spirit had promised. What God had promised him was, Simeon, you will not die until you've seen the consolation of Israel. Until you've seen the Messiah. Now, we have no idea really how old Simeon is here. He's quite normally portrayed as somebody who is elderly. Um what i put in, and was thinking of here was that he was not going to see you know he wasn't going to die until he sees the christ how many times did he go to the temple did he go to the festivals and the fe- you know those types of things that were that would have been a point of time where where he might see it go, not knowing if this was the time or, the, or not and over and over again, waiting and, and, and not seeing. And it dawned on me the older he got, you know, there's a tendency to, when, you, when you go through something long enough and often enough that you kind of give up. But I get the sense, and I know this means reading between the lines, but I get the sense because of the way this is put together that he was anticipating more and more. And you think about it, he's getting older. His lifespan is, is, is maybe already reached past the normal lifespan. Uh, it could happen today. It could happen today. It could happen today. And, and I think there's a sense of anticipation. And I'll share why in just a moment, but I just see that. You know, how many times the older they get, the closer he gets. He has the faith to keep on going. Verse 27, and Simeon came in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the temple. So he's being prompted by the Holy Spirit. Today's the day you need to go. He might not have even seen it as a direct prompting, but just, oh, I'm going to the temple today as my normal process, but the Holy Spirit is with him, getting him there for sure. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, look at what he does. Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God. Now, what it means to bless God is to, to, to sing praises to him, to give thanksgiving. Okay, so he's, he's, he's blessing God. Now, what follows is frequently called the Song of Simeon. Uh, And and what it is, it's it's four verses of him just reaching out and, and praising God, but also making a prophetic statement. Here's his song. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. In other words, he he's holding Jesus 40-day old baby up before the Lord and saying, "Thank you. I have now seen him. You've kept your promise. I I'm ready. Everything that I have been waiting for has happened. I'm ready to go. I can depart. I can leave at uh you know it's, it's, it's a neat confidence that he's portraying he's here. He says, I can depart in peace. Everything you promised in my life here, it, I've seen it. And he's excited about it. He's excited about the fact that he's in release. By the way, the word depart here is uh, a military term, actually. It's used to, when a sentry leaves his post, at, at, when he's completed his, his tour of duty in a particular post, or or a watch, he departs. He's been given permission to depart and, and leave that post. That's what he's saying. I've been given... You know, I, I can go. I've served my watch. I'm free to go. And so, if you can just sense this excitement that he's got. He he takes the baby. It doesn't say he asks. There's. A, I was reading one uh, person who was trying to describe this in his commentary, and he says... And he walked up to Mary and Joseph and he asked, may I hold your baby? It doesn't say that. I think he just walked up to them, looked at them and said, hi. <laughs> and, and, he, and he held up the baby and started his song. And praising God that he has seen the Messiah. He's in the Spirit. He comes to the temple. And when the parents have brought Jesus into the temple at the same time, uh, according to the customs to fulfill the law again of Exodus 13, they're both there. You ever heard of a a well? Some people would say a God-ordained meeting. I prefer to use providential. God's arranged this meeting. Have you ever been and had an experience where you feel maybe God has arranged a particular situation? Maybe it's a witnessing that you hadn't planned on. You didn't start out to do it, but before it was over. Or maybe the person that witnessed to you in reference to Christ and maybe introduced you to the words that you needed to hear that would open the door to your salvation. I believe those are providential meetings. I believe God orchestrates those and so here he is he's holding him up and he's saying wow i can depart now i can i can leave my watch i've seen your salvation lord i've seen him in person i've seen him in the public here and now he says in verse 31 This, this, you know, your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. In other words, you've done this publicly. You've made him known and I'm declaring who he is publicly. This is not something God is hiding or doing secretly. And then he says something very interesting. First off, he says, in the presence of all people. And then he says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. I want you to take note of where he is. He's in the temple. In the temple courts where this is happening. Do you think there might be Jewish leadership in there? (laughs) Priests, Pharisees, scribes? Absolutely. And when he said that, I'm sure their ears really opened up. First off, he was holding you up and declaring this is the Messiah. (laughs) And then he says, and he's for the Gentiles. He said that before he says the next phrase, which is, and for the glory of your people Israel. I'm sure that raised nothing less than a number of eyebrows and possibly uh, some serious indignation. That they would turn their back on him. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon is saying this baby will not only be for the glory of God's people, he will also be the light and the revelation for Gentiles to draw the Gentiles into a relationship with the God the Father. As a result, from this very statement, the Jews couldn't say, well, the Messiah belongs to us. We're the only people that He's come for. Nor could they say, you have to become a Jew before you can become a... a. a you, you have, if you're a Gentile, you have to become a Jew first before you can accept the Messiah. I was looking at a phrase that uh, Ray Pritchard, who's a pastor and author of uh, Christian books... He said, Simeon's words explode forever any narrow nationalism in reference to who belongs to Christ. Man doesn't make the decision as to who is a Christian and who's not. God does. Period. And it has nothing to do with the things that we measure people by within the framework of the way the world is put together in our cultures, and stuff like that. It has to do with, have you confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead? The light to the Gentiles. As a result, the Gentiles are going to enjoy all all the benefits of coming to the Messiah. I also read another article that says, He's the Savior of the whole world, rich and poor, young and old, all races, Jews and Gentiles. All people are included in His coming. He didn't come for a small group. He came for the whole world. And I put in my own parentheses here, for God so loved the world. I'm going to add one here, just based on a conversation we were having this morning as we were discussing it. He came for Democrats and Republicans. Just throwing that out to you. He is the light of the revelation to the Gentiles. But not only that, He is the glory of Israel. He is what they were looking forward to. He's going to complete all that, the, that has been said all through the Old Testament about them as a nation. He's going to put it together and complete it in them. This baby, Simeon says, sees the fulfillment of all the hopes and dreams of the Jewish people across the centuries through the Old Testament and into the time of the New Testament. Again, taking us clear back to the promises made to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob and then to David and the fact that there would be a descendant of David that would forever, eternally rule on his throne. And we even get to, to the end of the, of, the, of the New Testament where Micah says he'll be born in Bethlehem. I mean, all of these things coming together. You know the Jews thought that the, the the Messiah was going to be a great political leader, possibly a, uh, a military leader as well. That he he would be coming along to do what kick Rome out and restore the nation of Israel. So that is why when they saw Jesus and the way he was doing things, it didn't jive with what their preconceived idea was. However, you need to understand it was it wasn't what God had planned. It was what they had planned. <laughs> and the way they were putting it together. And so uh, they, you know, they kept waiting and waiting. They were waiting also for the Messiah. In fact, many of them had given up. Many people said, it's been too many generations. It's, it, it, we, there's something we missed. He's not coming. And there was a secularization of, of part of the Hebrew people. Uh, there was a group, uh, one group of, 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 uh, called the, the Sadducees who didn't believe in, a, in, in, in an end times anymore. They didn't believe there was going to be a great time of heaven and eternity because it hadn't come. And then we see Simeon and his faith and his anticipation. There was a remnant group of people like Simeon waiting intently for the coming of the Lord. Verse 33, it says, Joseph and Mary, his father and his mother, marveled at what was said about him. To marvel here is to be in awe. You know, whoa. You know, and you've got to think about all that they've already heard and the visitations by the angel to both of them and, and all that's happened. And this, again, continues to put them in awe. And then it says, Simeon blessed them. The idea of blessing them here is that he had a word for God for them. And he says to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He's appointed for the fall and the rise of many. And I'm not going to get into great detail with this this morning, other than you can go to the scriptures and and look them up Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah chapter 28, and and then New Testament verses as well that talk about Jesus being a stumbling block. To those who were rejecting him, he was a stumbling block. They would fall. To others, it would it would raise them up because uh, they saw him as as the cornerstone to build on, and it would raise them up. Where it says a sign that was opposed, it means that there would be opposition to his ministry. Even when he did miracles, there would be opposition to his ministry think about it. we've already shared these he was he he healed somebody demon possessed and they said oh he casts out demons by by the power of satan there was opposition to Jesus' ministry and and there was conflict in his life obviously to the point of the time of his arrest and his, and his trials and his crucifixion and actually that's what is implied here uh where it says a sword will pierce your own soul also. Where did that happen? At the foot of the cross for Mary. Her personal suffering at the cross. And what I realized here is that Jesus, as much as we want to say is you know, everything needs to get together, Jesus is a divider. He said He was going to come and there, there would be division in even even families because of Him. And what I put here is the result of this is that there is no neutrality. Every time you see Jesus, every time He reveals Himself in some way to you, whether it's through His Word or through circumstances or through things that He's doing in your life, it brings you to a point of making a choice either to acknowledge Him and and glorify Him or to take a step back from Him and away from Him. You either see Jesus as the Son of God, Savior, and Messiah, or He's not. There's no middle ground. There's nothing in between. There's no gray space where you can, you're, you're kind of free to roam. And 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 if if He is real, you'll glean the the the, the joys that He brings. And if He's not real, well, so be it. I was talking about gray space and I had a, a, you know, uh, I was using the idea of of a freeway with the median down the middle and, and, you know, dividing a freeway, you know, and I was coming up with an illustration and one of the kids in my class turned around and says, Mr. Halfgood, Mr. Halfgood. And I said, yes. And he says, he says, man invented gray space. Words of an eighth grader. Man invented gray space. God didn't. God put it black and white. There is no middle ground. You either are after Jesus or you're away from Jesus. Look at the context that Jesus put it in. In Matthew, He said, sheep and goats. You're in one or the other group. You can't be a shagote. It doesn't work. And the thing that really divides us is what we share every time we come to communion. We say Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross and paid for our sins and paid in full. And as a result, we accept Him as the Messiah, the Son of God, raised from the dead. And the cross is where we celebrate what He did for us. He paid in full. It is finished. It is done. And we rest in His grace and His mercy and His love. Jew and Gentile alike. So as we prepare for communion this morning, we'll come up and sing. And then uh, we're we're still using the packets. If you didn't get a packet uh, coming in, uh, they're on the table out there. Feel free to go and pick one up while we're singing.
1: The church's one foundation Is Jesus Christ our Lord She is his new creation By water and the word From heaven he came and sought her To be his holy bride With his own blood he bought her and for her, her life he died. Elect from every nation, Yet one o'er all the earth. Her charter of salvation, One Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses, Partakes one holy food. And to one hope she presses With every grace endued. Mid toil and tribulation And tumult of her war She waits a consummation A peace forevermore. So with the vision glorious Her life are blessed, and the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. Yet she on earth hath union with God, the three in one, and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. of oh, happy ones and Lord, give us grace that we, like them the meek and lowly, on high may dwell with thee.
0: It all boils down to what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's the, the, the picture and why we share communion every week to remind us. It doesn't matter what your status, what your financial bracket, what your politics. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. None of that makes any difference. What makes a difference is do you see Jesus Christ raised from the dead, the Son of God, and do you confess with your, your mouth and believe in your heart that these things are true? He died on the cross for your sins. Paid it in full. Said the words, it is finished. And His resurrection is the proof that He has the power and authority to do it. And that He's coming again. When Jesus shared communion with His disciples, He took the bread. And as he gave, after He gave thanks, He broke it and He gave it to them and He said, this is My body. Eat it, every one of you. At the end of the meal, he took the cup of blessing and he said this is the, the picture of my blood poured out for your salvation, for the purchase of the covenant of grace. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me and also know that I will not do this and share it again until I return. So while we share the cup together, we share what He has done, what He is doing, and what He is yet to do for us. Let's share the cup together. Father, we thank You for these emblems that remind us of the awesomeness of the God we love and serve, the God we worship, the God three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that You would go with us as we leave this place. Cause us to, to be faithful servants for Your kingdom's work. I think of Simeon and all that he did in that, that, at that moment, at that point. The very purpose that he lived for was, was that moment. And, Lord, we just ask that You would cause us to be just as excited about the 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 things that are ahead of us yet in serving you and ultimately are face to face with your resurrection with the the, the 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 second coming and the resurrection of the church Lord we look forward to that day I can't help but say uh, what what Paul mentions come soon Maranatha Lord come soon we worship we praise you in Jesus name Amen would you stand as we close please. Oh, and a reminder, the shoe boxes. We have uh, some against the wall out here. These are We're starting to put these together now. And inside is the list of things that uh, that we're gathering that you can put in these boxes. And uh, take one, get it full, bring it back, take another, or take a couple now if you, if that'll work. And just think in terms of having that list so that you can, if you're going through the store, you see it one time, you see something on sale or whatever, you can buy it and, and, uh, like I said, what we buy in a couple of times through the store will, will add, amount to very little for us and something very special for them.
1: long-expected Jesus born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel, strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in Thee. Israel, strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, Thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart.
0: And when you see B.J., happy birthday. And Everly, too. Lord bless. Thank you for being here this morning.